Hello, and welcome to the Clearfort Community Church Podcast. Our hope with this podcast is that you would be encouraged by the weekly teaching from God's Word, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week. To learn more about Clearfort Community Church, go to clearfortchurch.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Clearfort Church. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Million dollars that this master gave to his servant and said, I want you to invest that. He came to a second servant, he gave him two talents or two million dollars. He said, I want you to invest that when I come back. I want to see what you're going to do with that. And then he gave one uh, one talent or one million dollars to invest. And when he came back, he said to the man who had five talents, he said, Well done, my good and faithful servant, right? And the one who had two talents, he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. He says to both of those, come into your master's happiness. Come and celebrate your master's happiness with us. And then to the one who gave one talent or one million dollars that went out and he dug a hole, he put that talent in the ground and then just kind of waited for his master to come back. Maybe he wouldn't come back, maybe he would, who knows. But if he doesn't come back, I know where that talent is, right? And he says to that one man, you wicked and lazy soul. So this morning, I want us to talk about, I want us to to realize how can we live a life, and ironically, we're back in Acts chapter 11, so we're we're moving back into the book of Acts, and we're going to see this morning, how how does Peter live a five-talent type of life? How does he live a life that is totally sold out to the Lord, and God uses Peter in a tremendous way as we continue to see the gospel travel across the, uh, the, the barrier, the Jewish barrier. So in Acts chapter 1, if you really want to understand the book of Acts, you've got you to gotta study Acts chapter 1. He says, you, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so now in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10 and 11, we're seeing the gospel move from Jerusalem, from the Jewish people, now it's moving out from there to the Gentiles, and we see the transformation that happens there. And so that's the background. So Acts chapter 10 and 11, I want to give you a little background on that. If you remember from uh, a while back now, before we had the Take Heart series, we talked about Acts chapter 10, and Peter is in the city of Joppa, which is now called Joppa, which is near Tel Aviv, it's modern day Tel Aviv. So it's right where we're talking about, right above the Gaza Strip and all of that in the, the uh, Palestinian area. So that's where we're talking about. So Peter is down in Joppa, and uh, Cornelius is in Caesarea. Cornelius is a, a successful Roman soldier. He is a centurion. And he is a God-fearing man. He's a seeker. He doesn't know God personally, but he doesn't know the gospel. He doesn't understand the gospel, but he is a God-seeker. He's under... He's, heard about this God from the Jews, and he is seeking to, to follow him as best he knows. And so Peter is in Joppa, and he is going up to pray at the twelfth hour, and he's hungry. And he falls into a trance, and he sees this big uh, uh, tablecloth, so to speak, coming down from the sky. And on that has all these kinds of animals that Jewish people, good Jewish people, would never eat. And so it's dropped out, and here's a voice from heaven saying, Peter, rise up, kill, and eat. And Peter says, no way, Lord. Nothing of that has ever touched these lips. And this voice from heaven says this three times to Peter, and then he finally says, Peter, there's going to be some men coming from Caesarea 
I want you to go with them. So meanwhile, over in Caesarea, uh, the, the Cornelius has also had a vision, has an angel that speaks to them and says, I want you to send to Joppa, send some of your men to Joppa, which is about 30 miles away, and I want you to ask for this man named Simon. He's staying at home, Simon the Tanner. So Simon Peter is staying at the home of Simon the Tanner. And he says, I want you to send for Simon for him to come, and he's going to bring you a message that's going to change your life, and it's going to change the entire, everyone in your household is going to change their life forever, for eternity. So that's the background of the scripture that we're going to read. So if you've got your scripture sheet with you, let's read this together, because this is huge. Guys, listen, this morning is so key. I want you to zone in with me, okay? I've said many times, we're here, we might as well be here, right? You're already here. You might as well be here. Kind of focus on what God's doing here. So let's read this and then we'll pray together. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So they're hearing what's going on. They're here. They heard what happened down at Cornelius' home. And so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, so these are Jewish believers who are circumcised, and they, they criticized him and they said to him, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and, and you ate with them. Like, you've got these Gentile cooties now. What are we going to do with this? You've got these, these, these things on you now. So starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa and I was praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision. And I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners. And and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Basically, it was something no Jew would ever eat. Then he said, I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill, and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, as I've told you before. It seems like Peter has to have three times. That's to tell him three times for him to really get it. So this happened three times, and then it was all pulled up into heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers, so he takes six other brothers that are with him, six other believers that are with him in Joppa, also went with me up to Caesarea. And we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and said, saying to him, send a job for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message that, which, through which you and your whole household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, and he, as he had come on to us at the beginning, then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in the way of what God was doing, right? In the way of what God's, God's way. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even the Gentiles, here they, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let's pray together. So, Father, would you prepare our hearts? Would you open our ears to hear? God, we want to be people who live out of the gospel. We want to be people who live a five-talent kind of life, that we would invest our lives in a way that 
that when it's all said and done, we'd hear from you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Would you make that your prayer this morning? God, I want to live my life in a way that I would hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as I was uh, preparing for this sermon this week, I, I uh, was Googling. I was thinking about kind of the club, you know, this club mentality that these Jewish believers had in Jerusalem. They kind of wanted their own little Jewish club. And they're like, man, we're taking the gospel out to the Gentiles. We're going we're gonna to blow this thing. We're going to blow our club. And we want those Christians to have to come through us and be a Jewish people before they become Christians is really what they were wanting to do. And so I Googled club. Clubs, social clubs. And this came up inside the most exclusive social clubs in Dallas. It was literally written by a name named Alice, September 11th of 2023. So this is about a month old. And Alice says in this article about the most exclusive social clubs, she says, unmarked entrances, strict rest club codes, turkey vultures. Here's how to gain access to every club you never knew about in Dallas. Now, I know this is Dallas, but it still might apply to us over here in Fort Worth. Maybe. Maybe. All right, so here's what Alice said. Church is the most popular private club in Texas. Obviously. You have to jump through a bunch of hoops for membership. There are yearly dues. The networking opportunities are fire. You can bring your friends for free for a few times, but after a while, they need to apply for membership themselves. Or things get weird, and the live music slaps. <laughs> I don't know what all that means, but... <laughs> it's funny, but it's also tragic, isn't it? That that's what the outside world is. They look at the church and they see it kind of as a private club, you know? Uh, certain people get in and you adhere to these certain things and you have these hoops that you've got to jump through. That it's a private club of sorts. And in fact, when they come in and they understand that they really understood the gospel. And if you and I really understood the gospel, you're saying it's no private club at all. It's open access to anyone and everyone. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believed in Him... Whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so these Jewish people in uh, Jerusalem, as Peter goes down and begins to be built a bridge across the divide from Jews to Gentile, he, he's directed by the Lord to invest his life this way. And he goes back to the church and he's criticized because leaders are criticized. You know that, right? Leaders are criticized. So he's criticized. Why? Because he's building this bridge to the Gentiles and these Jewish believers, I think, sincerely thought that, hey, God is doing this work, but you've got to become a Jew. You've got to do all the Jewish things because that's where we come from. You've got to do that first before you become a Christian. They'll join our club before they are really set free to be a Christian. And so that's what's going on here in Acts chapter 11. And so I want us to talk about this. How... Can you and I take what we learn from this scripture and say, hey, I want to be a five-talent kind of Christian. I want to be like Peter and do what God's asked me to do. So there's five things this morning I want you to kind of zone in on, okay? If you're going to be a, a believer that really makes a difference in the people around you, the first thing you've got to know is you've got to know your identity. 
Do you know who you are in Christ? So I'm speaking to those of you that have, at some point in your life you've said yes to Jesus. You've said, yes, I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And I put my faith in that. I believe that. I put my hope in what Christ has done for me. Do you know who you are as a believer? You've got to know your identity. And once you know your identity, then you begin to work out of that identity and begin to help other people understand who they are. So who are you in Christ? So are you righteous? Those of you that have put your faith in Christ and you, you put your hope in Him, are you righteous this morning? Are you a saint this morning? You say, no, no. You don't understand. I have words even with my wife this morning. Or you don't know what happened on the way here. Or you don't know my past. Or you don't know the way I live. You don't know the things I struggle with. But here's the truth. If you put your faith in Christ, you are a saint. You are a, you are a righteous person before the eyes of God. Not because of what you do, but because of what God has already done for you in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And you say, no, no, I don't understand that. Listen, that is the gospel. That is what it means to walk with Christ, is understanding that you are a saint and then walking out of that, living out of that. So let's read, read with me, if you would, and I'll, I'll show you this. So look with me in uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 2. So we see this when Peter comes back up from Jerusalem. The circumcised believers, those... Now that's a high bar for entry. Wouldn't you say, man? Men, would you say that's a high bar of entry? Like you're 40 years old and you're like, hey, I come to know Christ, but they're telling me I've got to be circumcised before I become a believer. Is that a high bar? That's a high bar if you ask me. Okay? So they're saying to, to all these believers down that, hey, it's great, Peter, that you went down there and talked to those people down in Caesarea, but you better tell, you better tell Cornelius he needs to be circumcised first. <coughs> so they criticize him for doing that. And look at the, I'm going to read Acts 15, 1 and 2. So this problem doesn't go away. It comes back in Acts chapter 15. To some of their credit, when they see what God does, some of the people there say, hey, well, man, that's awesome news. We celebrate that. We're excited about that. The gospel is now being preached to, to the Gentiles, and they can come into the Christian faith without having to come through Judaism. We're excited about that. But there's others that held on to it. They're like, no, no. We're culture that you've got to become Jewish first. So this is what they say in Acts chapter 15. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul was like, hey, we're not having any of that. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not that you've got to jump through hoops, that you've got to go through these certain things. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. It's by grace alone, through faith alone. And you know what happens when you truly understand your identity in Christ and who you are? All the good things, all the actions that you want to do as you're trying to uh, you know, kind of beat yourself into that, those things begin to come natural because now you understand I am accepted, not based on what I do, but based on, based on what Christ has already done for me. And then you begin to live out of that understanding and it's life-changing. Listen, it's life-changing. It's not just a small theological thing like, eh, we disagree on that. No, it's radical, radically different. And that's why it said Paul... And Barnabas came into sharp dispute with them, saying, no, that's not 
the gospel. So I want to ask you, are you living out of your identity in Christ, or are you living out of your religious activity? Right? Is your identity found in Christ, in the gospel, and what Christ has done for you? Or is it found in, hey, I do a lot of religious things. I go to church, I read my Bible, I try to be a good person, I do a lot of religious things. If your identity is found in that, guess what? That goes well for a little while, but what happens when you can't keep up the pace? What happens when you fall behind? What happens when those religious activities fall off the radar a little bit? And you go, well, maybe I'm not a believer. So that all works well if you're doing well, but when your identity is tied up in those things and it's not going well, then your identity sways with how religious and how, how much religious activity that you're doing. What about your common ethnicity? That's what they were saying. Hey, I'm a believer. I'm a believer because I'm an American. You know, I'm just, I'm, I was born here. I was born in America and we're a Christian nation. Maybe not so much anymore, right? But we, I'm, I'm a Christian because I'm an American, right? Is your ethnicity defined your identity. How about your spiritual community? You know, I'm just a Christian because I was born and my parents were Christians. I grew up Christian. I, I, you know, I had Christian friends. I went to a Christian college. I, I do a lot of Christian things and I'm around spiritual community a lot. So that's who I am. Okay. That's your identity. How about your own personal purity? You see, Peter, even though Peter was trained by Jesus and, and was with Jesus for three years, he still struggled with this cultural thing like, now, now I've got to hold on to my Jewish culture a little bit and my own personal purity. He says, no, Lord. Can you imagine telling an angel or a voice from heaven, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that, right? Peter was pretty bold, like, no, I have never done that before. Your personal purity is not your identity. The way you live your life, and, and it comes out of, again, your identity, but it's not your identity in and of itself. Let me get a little more personal for you, with you. I'm a white man who tries to be a Christian, a Christian, or am I a Christian who happens to be a white man? Radically different. Okay? Am I a black man who tries to fit his Christianity into his ethnic blackness, and, and the fact that I am black or white or Hispanic, am I trying to fit my Christianity into my culture? Or am I a Christian and therefore I'm not defined by that I'm a white man or a white woman or a black woman or a black man? Then I'm not defined by that. My, I'm defined by the fact that I'm a Christian. I'm not trying to fit those things into my Christianity. Does that make sense? How about I'm a traveler. So I try to fit my Christianity. I, I travel the world. I like traveling. So I try to I try to fit my Christianity into that. Or I'm a business person. I'm a businessman or a businesswoman. And I'm that first. And then I try to fit my Christianity into that. And try to I try to be a good business guy. But first and foremost, I am a businessman. There was a time in my life I was a football player who tried to be a Christian. I played football. That was my identity. My identity was found in what I did, and I tried to fit my Christianity in that, and God said, no, 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 that's not the way it works. And a fullback came out and blew out my knee, and I, I was laid flat for a whole year. And all of a sudden I go, no, no, that's not the way it works. Said, my identity is based in what I do. My identity can change very quickly, right? Do you know your identity in Christ? Let me ask you another one, and I've already touched on this. Am I a sinner who tries to be a Christian? Or am I a Christian who struggles with sinning? Radically different. 
Am I a sinner? Am I known that I, hey, I'm just a sinner and I try to fit my Christianity there, I try to be a good person? Or am I a Christian? Am I a saint? Am I righteous before God? And then I still struggle with sin. I still struggle with my, my flesh. I still struggle with that. Here's an example. Am I an alcoholic that tries to fit my Christianity into that? Or am I a Christian who struggles with alcoholism? It's different. So knowing your identity in Christ and knowing who you are is super important. Listen, I, I travel. I've traveled around a lot of different places. I've been on a lot of mission trips. Not a lot, but it's a few mission trips. I've been to Burundi, Africa. I've been to Uganda, Africa. I've been to Haiti. I've been to Mexico. And when I meet another believer, it doesn't matter how culturally different we are. We have a bond like that. If you've been on a mission trip and you've seen other true believers, all the cultural thing is secondary. We connect at a level that's so much deeper than all of that. And that's what I'm getting at. When you understand your identity, you connect below white, black, Hispanic. You connect way below all of that kind of stuff. So knowing your identity in Christ is the key to being fruitful. And then out of that identity in Christ and knowing who I am, now I begin to put that in play. So the first thing is knowing your, per knowing your identity. But then second, now what do I do with that? Okay, now I know I'm a believer. I understand who I am. I've been set free from works and, and all this other stuff that I might put my identity in. I am a believer. Now what do I do with it? So you've got to know your identity before you know your purpose. But your purpose, look with me in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20. It's on your sheet with me. So read this with me. This is powerful. So Paul says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So what is that saying? It's a lot of big words, right? What is, what is that saying? Basically what, what uh, Paul is saying here is God is in the business of reconciling people to himself. That you and I can have a right relationship with the God who created us. Do you, believe, do you, do you realize that? That you and I can walk every day of our life in right relationship with God because of what Christ did for us on the cross. He's reconciling people to himself. And Paul is saying, not only do you have to walk in a way that you understand who you are, that you are already reconciled with God, you are at peace with God, but now you have the ministry and the message of reconciliation that you're taking out to other people. And that's what Peter was doing here. Right? He didn't stay in Jerusalem and say, I kind of like my, I like the other Jewish brothers here. We kind of get each other. We kind of have our closed club. We kind of have our private club here. And we like each other. We know each other. I kind of grew up with these. These are my homies. And I'm just kind of hanging with them because we understand each other. No. God said, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. And he has to tell him three times that, hey, Peter, you're going to do this. This is what it's all about. And Peter goes down to Caesarea and he, began, he, he tells them the message of reconciliation. So your identity is in Christ. And what you do with that is that you take that out and now you have the ministry and the message of reconciliation that you are able, that God can use you just like he used Peter to set other people free from 
all these hurts and habits and hang-ups, they can be set free from this works mentality that they bring to religion. You could be talking to Alice, if anyone in here knows Alice over in Dallas that wrote that article, but someone get with Alice and say, Alice, you don't get it. That's not what the church is all about. Let me share with you what the church is really all about. It's about setting people free to live in right relationship with God. Not based on what you've done, but based on what Christ has done for you. That's the gospel. And so when you understand your identity, then you begin to work out of your identity. So write this down. Our purpose as individuals and as a church is tied to where we find our identity. If, uh, if we had a storm, if we had a, a huge wreck on I-35, and you were a paramedic, do you rush to that situation? You rush to that situation because you are a paramedic. Because that's your identity. That's who you are. So when you hear that, and you are ready for that, then you are going to jump into action. If you hear of a fire, and you're a fireman or a firewoman, and you hear about that, then you jump into action because your identity is there. I'm going to owe that to Ken Horton who's in the room when it's here. Your identity is found in what you've been trained to do and who you are, so you jump into action based on the identity that you have. You are a Christian. You are a believer. You are set free. You are right before God. You are at peace with God. And so when you encounter someone who's not set free, and they're not at peace with God, guess what? You jump into action because that's who you are. And you do based on what you believe about yourself and your identity in Christ is all about that. So it's not your ethnicity, not your uh, religious ritual, not your personal purity, or even your spiritual community. It's about who you are in Christ. So in marriage counseling, I had a couple that called me. Uh, we did a wedding of my niece in Atlanta. And he said, hey, I got this friend of mine. And they're going through a hard time. Would you be willing to talk to him? I said, sure, I'd be willing to talk to him. So he calls me yesterday. And, and I start talking to him about his marriage. And, and the very first thing I say to him is, listen, I want you to know where I'm coming from here. I want you to know that, man, I'd be willing. We'll, we'll sit down with you. We'll do Zoom calls. We'll do whatever we need to do to help you with your marriage. But the first thing is asking you, where are you, where are you with God? Where are you in your relationship with Christ? Because unless you have that foundation, unless you have that at your very foundation, then all the other stuff is just shifting, it's just shifting sand, right? It just is going to go away. And so I want to tell you where we're coming from. He says, that's fantastic. I don't know much about God, but I'm open to what God is going to do. You think that's not a, a, a divine appointment? That's what God is doing. And so I just tell people up front, it's based on, and we, we might have to work through some other things, but it's based on your identity and understanding who you are in Christ. So the first thing, if you want to be a believer, that when it's all said and done, God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've taken what I gave you, the little that I gave you, you multiplied it. You put it into action and you multiplied it and your life has been worth something. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into your master's happiness. And then you have to know your identity in Christ. You have to know your purpose. For the third thing, you have to know the power of the message. And this is just kind of passing. But he told them he had seen an angel appear to him in the house. And he said, send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which 
You and all your household will be saved. Isn't that amazing? Now, why didn't the angel... Well, the angel appeared to, to Cornelius, right? This angel appeared to him and be like, Hey, angel, why didn't you just tell him? I mean, Peter could have said to the angel, Hey, why didn't you just tell him that? Why? Because he had given Peter the ministry and the message of reconciliation. And he said, I want you to experience this. But do you realize how powerful the message of being set free and in right relationship with God is? Do you realize how powerful that message is? That this, these people, when you and I get to heaven, these people in Cornelius and his entire household, maybe some other soldiers, all those that he had pulled into his house and said, Hey, Peter, we're all here. Tell us what you need to tell us. All of those people are going to be there when we get there. Because their lives would change forever. Forever. You see, clubs, they can't change people's lives. Clubs can't save marriages. Clubs can't reconcile families. Clubs can't save entire families. Clubs can't do that, but the gospel can. And do you realize the power of the message that you and I have within us that you and I could literally be used by God to change someone's eternal destiny and that they have a right relationship with God forever and ever. Is that good news? Man. Is that good news? Man. That's good news. That's purpose in life. So whether you're a business person, whether you're a mother, whether you're a father, whatever you do, whatever you do for a living, whether you play sports, whatever you do, God can use all of that to help others understand the gospel and understand that they can be set free in right relationship with God. So the next thing is just be trained for the mission. I just want to touch on this uh, quickly, but Peter was trained in the gospel. He spent three years with Jesus himself, right? Peter spent three years with our Savior right there, could ask him any question, heard every sermon on the mount, heard everything that he had ever said. Well, not everything, but he heard a lot of what Jesus had said, right? He was with him almost 24-7, and yet Peter still struggled with this cultural Christianity thing. He still struggled with the gospel. In fact, later on, Paul says, I had to rebuke, rebuke Peter because he kind of he shrunk back from the Gentiles uh, Maybe he would be criticized for that. So he shrunk back from the Gentiles at one point in the future. So Peter himself had to marinate in this. He had to truly understand the gospel. He had to truly understand how he was set free based on what Christ had done for him and not by works. If Peter had to marinate in that, how much more do you need to marinate in that? How much more do we have to really understand the gospel? And so uh, we're doing launching multipliers, and Ken is actually here this morning. We're using his material and the material that he wrote with his brother, and then we're just sitting down. I'm sitting down with men. We'll sit down. We'll have women that will sit down with women, and we're, we're just doing the first six sessions of that, and in those six sessions, we, we just walk through. What does it mean to walk with Christ? What does it mean to walk in the gospel, to understand your identity in Christ, to understand that you can never lose your salvation, understanding basic Christian principles. And some of you have been, been through that with me. And if you'd like to be a part of that, let us know, and we'd, we'd love to be with you. So be trained for the mission. The last thing is that you've got to listen to instruction. Listen, listen for instruction. So how do you know God's will is what I'm getting at with this fifth point. Okay, and this is the final point. How do you know what God's will is for your life. So Peter's down in Joppa. How does he know he's supposed to go to Caesarea and, and, and talk to this man? How does he know that? Now, he was directed 
uh, you know, supernaturally, but I want to talk about some things here. And you can know the will of God for your life. So if you're going to be a five-talent type of believer, investing your life in a way that God can use it for all eternity, you need to listen for instructions. So how do you do that? Number one, you've got to be praying. In verse 5 it says, we, he was there and he was in a time of prayer. And when, when Peter was praying is when God spoke to him. It's amazing how that happens, right? When we're talking to God and we come before him and we open our ears, God actually does speak to us. So it says he was in a time of prayer. And so we can't know the will of God if we're not seeking him, if we're not, if we're not open and we're praying to him. And so the first step in that is prayer. And that's incriminating to me. Man, I just think about it and say, Jeff, you've got to be praying. You've got to be listening to the voice of God more. You've got to spend more time in prayer. And Tristan and I talk about that all the time. And say, hey, I just want us to pray more. And you know what we've done? We said, hey, let's just pray right now. Let's don't talk about praying in the future. Let's do it right now. So almost anywhere we are, we say, hey, you know what? We need to be praying more. Well, let's do it right now. Let's do it right now. And just pray and seek the Lord where you are. So in verse 5, Peter is praying. The second thing is, in verse 16, look with me in verse 16. It says, Then I remembered what the Lord had said. Peter says, oh, I remember what Jesus said. Now, we don't have Jesus here in the flesh. We can't remember what he said, but guess what? It's all been written down for us, right? So we've got to know the Word of God. We've got to be in prayer. Now, this is not rocket science, folks. We've got to be in prayer, but we've also got to be in the Word of God. To hear from God, we've got to be in His Word. So Peter says, I remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey... John baptized with water, but someday he'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this makes sense. What I'm seeing with my very eyes is what Jesus was telling me about way back when. And guess what? If you're in the Word of God and you're in prayer, you're going to have that experience on a regular basis. And I'm saying every day, I'm saying on a regular basis, you're going to go, oh, that's what God's talking about in His Word. So in order to know His will, you've got to pray, but you've got to be in the Word of God. The next thing is you've got to have community around you. Your community group is a way you can discern the will of God. Not just your community group, but that's one way in our church to have other believers around you to say, hey, when I experience this, does this make sense to you? Is this according to the word of God? You've got other believers around you. So where does that come from? Look with me in verse 12. Then the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. You think Peter's like, hey, it was good to have those other six men around me because when we go back to Jerusalem and tell them what happened amongst the Gentiles, I'm not the only voice. I'm not the only one speaking. I've got six other believers who are going with me that experience the same thing and they can vouch for what happened. And they can also be discerning about what happened. And so you need community around you to say, is this the will of God for my life? Is this according to the Word of God? And so community is one way to know God's will. The next one is circumstances. Alright? Circumstance. Now the circumstances in this, this particular story is, is supernatural, right? Peter had a, a vision, he saw this vision, and then right then it says, right after he gets up from this vision, these three men are knocking on the door saying, Hey, we were sent here to Joppa for a man named Simon. Is he here? Is he here? Okay. We were told to tell him to come with me. And, and Peter was hearing the same thing. So circumstances in your life, all of a sudden you go, hey, these are weird circumstances. It would seem like something's going on here. Has anybody experienced that or is it just me? Right? Circumstances in your life, you're going, hey, that's not the first thing I jump to. Right? I'm going through 
prayer. I'm going to the Word of God. I'm going to my community group and other believers. I'm talking to them. But then when circumstances and things begin to line up, that's when I go, hey, God is in this. And I'm just going to step out and trust Him in this. The last thing is that over time, you're going to see fruitfulness in that. may not be overnight, not be tomorrow or the next day, but you're going to have a sense of peace. You're going to have the fruits of the Spirit when you're following God's voice and you're going to say, hey, I've got love, joy, peace, patience. I just, I sense this is the right thing. And, and that's exactly what Peter saw. As he saw the fruit coming out of this, these believers received the Spirit of God. Their lives are changed. And he's like, man, that's got to be of God. That's exactly what we experienced in Acts chapter 2. And I know that's how God works, so I'm trusting Him that He's at work here. So how can you be a five-talent type of believer? By knowing your identity, knowing your purpose, uh, being trained in the mission, and knowing you're, you're, uh, you're called by God, and then seeking Him and knowing His will through all those five things I just talked about. There was a man... Uh, this is Mr. Lussie, 1984. So I was uh, I was in ninth grade. This is a Sunday school teacher that gave me this, and, and it says he has told you, a man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And and Mr. Lussie helped me understand the gospel. Mr. Lussie was a maintenance man at a private school. That's what he did for a living. I'm telling you, Mr. Lussie has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that he has invested in. This is some almost 25 years later after he gave this to me, my, my dad passed away. You know who was at my dad's funeral? Mr. Lussie. Mr. Lussie taught me the gospel, invested the gospel in me, and Mr. Lussie still, his fruit is still being born through what God's done even through my life. Mr. Lussie's done that not just with me. He's done that with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. He's just a man who loves people and invests in them. And he's a maintenance man at a private school. Listen, doesn't matter what you do or who you are, God can use you to change lives. And I would just say, hey, more than anything, more than that you're a business person, or that you love to travel, or you play sports, or you do this or that. Your identity is that you are a believer. You are a follower of Christ. Knowing that identity, you've set free and you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Let's pray together. So Father, we just come before you. God, I thank you for people like Mr. Lawson. In my life, not only Mr. Lawson, many other people. And God, you gave them the ministry of reconciliation and they invested that ministry and that identity in me and, and God, for better or for worse, you've used me. And God, I thank you for many of those out here that you've used them as ministry of reconciliation to people all around me. I want you just to think right now, if, if anyone's ever invested in your life, who has that been? Who had the ministry of reconciliation in your life? Who helped you understand the gospel for the first time? Would you just remember that person or persons? And I also I want you to ask you, if they're still alive, would you call them? Just thank them for what they did in your life. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, hey, this is all confusing. I'm not sure. <coughs> Sounds good, but I, I don't know about this. Maybe you've never really understood what it means to be right with God and have peace with God and be able to walk in right relationship with Him, not based on your own works, but based on what Christ has done. If you want to know more about that, that is the Gospel, and that's what we're about. We'd love to share that with you. So Father, we just, uh, as we continue to worship, we continue to sing this last song, would you continue to move on our hearts this morning? Would you receive what God's already given you, that ministry of reconciliation? Would you be that kind of person? Let God use you. We love you, Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Clearfork Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, head to clearforkchurch.org. Take heart, Fort Worth. He has overcome the world. We hope to see you soon.